So I'm in this Zoom call. Several business leaders are part of this call, and we pray together often, especially during the season. And one of the business leaders uses this phrase that in this season, uh, they are mining the gold. You know, what is good? Um, is there opportunity? Uh, what's, what's God doing in them? And I thought, I love that phrase. And then I quickly thought, maybe some of you would too, like, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic, uncertainty, instability, mine the gold. Is there gold anywhere? And I thought, is it possible that there's something we can actually learn or grow from during a time of disruption? Our lives are still being disrupted these days. Can we learn something? Can we grow from something? And I think that we can find uh, something to learn and grow from in this text that Mike just read for us, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and onwards. Here's, here's Paul the Apostle's second letter to Timothy. He's writing to a young pastor in the first century. And um, the, the section of this letter, the beginning of it anyways, is bookended with a key focus, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, today, as we've already alluded to a couple of times in our gathering, is Pentecost Sunday. Now, Pentecost for the Jews, was, it was a festival called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Fifty. And it was really a, a celebration that took place 50 days after Passover that celebrated the giving of the Torah or the law. In other words, imagine like when Moses came and brought the Ten Commandments down. And so you have this, this celebration of that. Now, the year that Jesus died and then rose from the grave changed the dynamic of this special occasion because on this specific day, God sends his Holy Spirit and what we have that starts there is or catalyzes this new movement of Christ followers that begin to experience Jesus and grow. And basically, the church is launched from 12 to 120 to 3,000 to thousands, and it continues to grow. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament, you will read the story of the church. In fact, many people will call it, and some Bibles actually title it that, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was at work. So here's Paul writing this young church pastor. His name is Timothy. And it's interesting how he bookends this section. He, verse 6, he talks about fanning into flame. He encourages Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God has given him. Now, there's two options to look at this. The one side, you could say that maybe fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit that God has given Timothy, the gift of teaching or the gift of shepherding or evangelism. And, and the Holy Spirit has given uh, these gifts. But another way of looking at it is that to fan into flame the source of these gifts, which is, in fact, the Holy Spirit. One version of the Bible, the Good News Bible, uh, says it this way in a sense that the Holy Spirit has produced these things in him. Now, Paul bookends that with verse 14, where he encourages Timothy to guard what he has in Jesus Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit in him. So we get this theme of the works of the Holy Spirit. Here's Paul mentoring this young Timothy. Now, Paul is, is writing out of a season of struggle. He's writing out of a prison cell, which is not unfamiliar for some of the other letters, but he's also missing the church. It's, he's a bit later on in his season. And some, in fact, now he's hearing, have left the faith because of persecution and oppression. This has been discouraging Paul. And it's a theme throughout the letter. And Paul is assuming, I would think, that Timothy will face a similar struggle 
in his ministry, in his life. And so what does Paul tell Timothy? He says, the Holy Spirit hasn't produced a spirit of fear in you. Verse 7, the Holy Spirit hasn't produced a spirit of fear. Think about that for a second. I mean, even if you are fearful of a situation or a situation is causing you fear, the Holy Spirit is never the source of that fear. Timothy might be anticipating a season or future of struggle and opposition, but Paul's assuring him that the Holy Spirit is going to be in the middle of that, and God's Spirit will never be the source of fear for him, even if he does fear fear or feel fearful. I'd say it that way. So here's my question to us today as we're considering this text and what it means for us. Are you prone to fear? What are you fearful about these days? What are you worrying about these days? I want you to pause for a second here, and I want us to think about what we just heard from this perspective. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Maybe tell someone beside you, maybe write it on the screen. What is the source of whatever you're fearing right now? What is the source of whatever you're worrying about right now? Think about it. And now name it, call it, acknowledge it. Have you done that? What's the source of your fear or worry? You named it, have you acknowledged it? Okay, now recognize something really important. God is not the source of it. God is not the source of that fear. It's interesting because this really makes this first century letter come alive to us and relevant for us. And one, it understands that we can fear just as Timothy might have feared in the struggle that he was anticipating. You might think Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. This is awesome, good times. But this season for the church, if we go back to Pentecost again, was a hostile time. More than 50 days before, Jesus was arrested and killed under government rule in conjunction with some of the religious leaders. The disciples are likely very afraid. The empire, remember, killed their leader, the same person who was a healer, miracle maker, calmer in the storm. He he calmed the storms. This was the Jesus whom they arrested and killed. And his arrest and his death sent chills up their spines. In fact, they were so afraid, Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. He's asked three times, and three times he denies him. Now, of course, Jesus rose from the grave, miraculous, amazing. But the empire would come after his followers. The empire would continue their oppression. Or, In fact, it would even grow as the church began to grow. Acts chapter 4, they're, they're, the church is praying, and, and the encouragement is, oh God, consider their threats against us and give us boldness. So there were threats against this young, growing church after Pentecost. So the coming of the Holy Spirit came and happened under this fearful mood for the disciples. Now think of Paul. Let's kind of put the clock back several years, years after this climactic coming of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. This is after Paul comes to faith and starts growing in faith and plants churches and all these kinds of things. He's suffering in prison. He's lonely. He's anticipating the end of his life. And Timothy is likely following in Paul's trajectory. That's what Paul is assuming, that Timothy will serve in the same empire that will eventually behead Paul. Man, that's some cause for fear. And here's Paul's advice to Timothy. The Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus to your grandmother, to your mother, 
to you, Timothy, this, this legacy, the, the Holy Spirit that has guided you, that has called you, that, is, that has equipped you for this ministry he's called you in, these gifts that he's given you for this ministry, this Holy Spirit does not produce fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear. His spirit does not produce fear. But this is what his spirit produces. And Paul continues and he says, instead, the Holy Spirit produces or God gives you a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Power and love and self-discipline. Very unlike fear. So think of the first one. We're going to just look at the first two today and, uh, and then we'll continue next week. But think about this. The spirit of power or the Holy Spirit produces power or empowers us for whatever God's calling us to. Now, I want you to stop and think about this because whenever you, we use the word power, we automatically think of maybe a worldly use of power or an abuse of power or an arrogance. This is not the kind of power that the world often exerts. We just heard horribly this week of the abuse of power where a police officer is kneeling on the head of a black American male in Minneapolis. And that man dies. That was not a godly use of power. We often see power exerted from podiums or boardrooms or army tanks. You know, one image comes to mind, and maybe you're familiar with the Marvel movies. Well, Iron Man's first movie, the billionaire Tony Stark, he's demonstrating weapons because he's a weapon manufacturer, and he says this line. It's one of the top lines in the movie. He says, peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. Whoever has the bigger guns. While the power the Holy Spirit produces is different in nature, in character, in witness, in motivation. Because the power the Holy Spirit produces is found in the way of Jesus. And it's a strong and resilient and hopeful and courageous power. But it's also an empowering and generous and sacrificial and humble use of power. And this is what Timothy will need from God to serve God like Paul has in the ups and downs, in the good and bad times, in the seasons of suffering and even oppression and persecution. And this is what we need now, that the Holy Spirit would produce in us a power, an empowerment. But there's more to what the Holy Spirit produces than just power, and it's love. Paul says that the Spirit produces love, and that's what his longing is for, for Timothy that he would have the spirit of love. That if Timothy is going to serve in a hostile environment in the way of Jesus, he's going to need the Holy Spirit to produce in him the kind of life that is a life of love. He's going to need a love that reflects the life of Jesus, that, that love your neighbor and pray for your enemies kind of love, that, that sell your possessions and give to the poor kind of love, that, that look out for the interests of others kind of love, that take up your cross kind of love, that walk to the other side of the road kind of love. I recently watched a movie about true events in the 1970s. The movie is called The Best of Enemies. It's about a black activist named Ann Atwater and a Ku Klux Klan leader named C.P. Ellis. And ironically, these two completely opposite people 
were chosen to lead a community roundtable on school integration in the Carolinas after a black-only school was burned down and there was no place for the kids to finish their school year. Well, the, the Ku Klux Klan leader, his son was one of the kids that would be affected by black kids coming to his school. And Ann Waters, she was furious because the, she knew that, 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 that these other kids in the, in the school would not be able to finish their year in a healthy environment and they desperately needed a solution. So they were both called to work on the solution. It's crazy. They were enemies. One day, CP's highly dysfunctional and special needs son was acting out in his residence because they put another boy in his room. His son um, was a special needs case and, and, and he couldn't live at home and he had to live in a special home. And this broke CP's heart and his family's heart. And they took care of this boy. They loved this boy. And when they saw this happen that day, he just didn't know what to do. And he, he, he ran to the nurse's station and he said, you got to get my son out of this room. You got to get him in a private room. And they said, sir, we, you know, this is only today. It's going to get better. And then he said, how much does it cost for, for a private room? And they said, sir, you know, it's $75 a day. And he's like, I don't care. And he starts to pull money out of his pocket and he puts change on the table and he puts like 20 bucks down, some change and some bills. And the lady looks at him and says, sir, you know that you can't afford this every day. And he's so discouraged, he walks out of that place. And him and his wife and his family are so discouraged. Well, Anne got wind of this, and Anne got her people together. And they came together, and they paid the daily rate for his son to be in a separate room so his son's well-being would be taken care of. And they blessed this Ku Klux Klan leader, this black activist blessed this Ku Klux Klan leader, and taught him the power of love and the true nature of power. Now you can read or watch the rest of the story to see what happens. It's an amazing thing, but it just reminded me what can happen when we see power in the right use and live out a life of love. God is love. Jesus showed us the love of the Father. And the Holy Spirit produces in us an ability to be the kind of people who love God and love others and love our enemies. The caring, compassionate, bold, sacrificial, sincere, unpretentious kind of people with a spirit of love. And Timothy was going to need that. And we need that daily. And we need to grow in that daily. And I want to stop and just stop here for a moment because we're going to pick this up next week. But these are the kind of things that we can grow in in this season. Going back to that phrase, mining the gold. What is God doing? What does he want to do? How does he want to grow us? And I think of Paul looking at Timothy and this, this, this season of struggle before him. And he says, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind or self-discipline. That in this season, you can grow into this kind of person by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to highlight as we just wrap up this week. I want to highlight the work of the Spirit and why we desperately need what Paul is reminding Timothy about. Think about that. Timothy will have to unmask his fears 
in his life. And if he's going to grow in the love and power and wisdom of the Spirit, he's going to have to unmask his fears. He's going to have to recognize that his fears are not sourced in the Holy Spirit. Timothy will not be able to enter this next season of struggle that, that maybe ministry will bring on his own, with his own strength or with his, with his own skill. And Paul knows this to be true by his own experience. And Timothy will miss, miss out on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit wants to give him gifts for life and ministry if he goes it alone. Paul says, no, you don't have to go it alone. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you and guard what you have in Jesus Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit which lives within you. In other words, depend on the Holy Spirit. But did you hear that phrase, fan into flame? It's, the word can be rekindle the gift of God in you. Have you ever gone camping and it's late at night and the fire's gone out and you're sitting there and you're kinda, you kind of want to sit there another 30 minutes or 40 minutes, but the fire's out and it's pitch black and it's just smoke and you'd love some fire and heat and then all of a sudden you see at the bottom of the pit under the burnt wood and under the ashes, you just see a little, a little, little glow that's coming from one or two embers at the bottom of this pit. And you realize, oh, there's the DNA of the fire in that. You don't need to restart a fire. You don't need to light a match. You don't need to get any lighter fluid or anything like that. You don't need anything because it's already present. So you grab a few small sticks and you put it beside those embers. Maybe you throw a piece of paper there and then you bend down and you just start to blow. You start to blow on those embers. You see those embers kind of light up a little bit more and light up a little bit more every time you breathe or blow out. And all of a sudden this flame catches and the flame comes and it appears. And just like that, you've rekindled the fire. You didn't start it. You didn't create it. You didn't transplant it, plant it. You rekindled it. And here's God's invitation to you and me on Pentecost or during Pentecost, that we would rekindle the work of the Holy Spirit in us. See, God wants to do so much more in us during this season. He wants to do so much more in us during a time when many of, many of us just want to give up. But God wants to do so much more in us because his Holy Spirit didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He's going to guard what we have in Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are feeling disconnected. Some of you are feeling the disconnect of, of not being a tangible, physical, physically present body. Some of you are feeling disconnected because you're not serving in the same way. Some of you feel like you've been so wrapped up in another rhythm, in another world, in another kind of life, and, and, and you're losing the, the, the kind of sense that you had with the Lord or with the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you that the life of the Spirit is under the ashes, the life of the Spirit is still there. You haven't lost God's Spirit. If God has, has, is with you and you've embraced him and you're following, you haven't lost God's Spirit, but you could rekindle his work in you. And he actually wants to build us and lead us and empower us and nurture love in us and develop sharp minds in us and mature wisdom and resilience and courage and passion to serve others. But it won't happen in your own strength and it won't happen in my own strength. But it will need our participation. Fan into flame the Spirit of God in us. So I'll end with this. May this Pentecost season rekindle the flame of the Holy Spirit within you and within me. May you and I make room for his work in our hearts. 
And may he give us the vision to welcome something new in this season, to welcome something new during this season, even if we, in our own strength and imagination, do not have the vision or the energy ourselves. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we invite you right now to stir up in our hearts a new longing and desire for your spirit to work. Lord, we know that we can't create who you are or your presence in us. That's just impossible. But because we call Jesus Lord, you give us your Holy Spirit to live within us. Guard what we have in Christ with the help of your Spirit living in us. Fan into flame, God, your work in us. And then, and Lord, may we participate in any way that partners with you in your work in us, God. Because we determine to grow in this season. We determine to see something new in this season. We determine to follow you in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.